0: It was Miss Lemon, Poirot's efficient secretary, who took the telephone call. Laying aside her shorthand notebook, she raised the receiver and said, without emphasis, Trafalgar 8137. Hercule Poirot leaned back in his upright chair and closed his eyes. His fingers beat a meditative soft tattoo on the edge of the table. In his head he continued to compose the polished periods of the letter he had been dictating. Placing her hand over the receiver, Miss Lemon asked in a low voice, Will you accept a personal call from Nascom, Devon? Poirot frowned. The place meant nothing to him. Uh, The name of the caller? he demanded cautiously. Miss Lemon spoke into the mouthpiece. Braid? she asked doubtingly. Oh, yes, Uh, and what was the last name again? Once more she turned to Hercule Poirot. A Mrs. Ariadne Oliver. Hercule Poirot's eyebrows shot up. A memory rose in his mind, windswept grey hair, an eagle profile. He rose and replaced Miss Lemon at the telephone. Hercule Poirot speaks, he announced grandiloquently. Uh, is that... "'Mr. Hercule Poirot speaking personally?' "'the suspicious voice of the telephone operator demanded. "'Poirot assured her that that was the case. Uh, "'You're through to Mr. Poirot,' said the voice. "'Its thin, reedy accents were replaced by a magnificent, booming contralto, "'which caused Poirot hastily to shift the receiver a couple of inches further from his ear. "'Monsieur Poirot, is that really you?' demanded Mrs. Oliver.' "'Myself in person, madame.' "'Well, this is Mrs. Oliver. "'I don't know if you'll remember me, but I, "'But of course I remember you, madame. "'Who could forget you?' "'Well, people do, sometimes,' said Mrs. Oliver. Well, "'Quite often, in fact. "'I don't think that I've got a very distinctive personality, "'or perhaps it's because I'm always doing different things to my hair, "'but all that's neither here nor there. Now, "'I hope I'm not interrupting you when you're frightfully busy.' Oh, Oh, no, 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 you do not derange me in the least. Good gracious, I'm sure I don't want to drive you out of your mind, but the fact is, I need you. Need me? Yes, at once. Can you take an aeroplane? Ah, I I do not take aeroplanes, they make me sick. Oh, they do me too, anyway, look, I don't suppose it would be any quicker than the train, really, because I think the only airport near here is Exeter, which is miles away. So come by train, twelve o'clock from Paddington to Nascom. You can do it nicely. You've got three-quarters of an hour if my watch is right, though it isn't usually uh, but uh, where are you, madame, and what is all this about? Uh, Nas House. Nascombe. A car or taxi will meet you at the station at Nascombe. But why do you need me? What is all this about? Poirot repeated frantically. Telephones are in such awkward places, said Mrs. Oliver. This one's in the hall. People passing through and talking. I can't really hear. But I'm expecting you. Everybody will be so thrilled. Goodbye. There was a sharp click as the receiver was replaced. The line hummed gently. With a baffled air of bewilderment, Poirot put back the receiver and murmured something under his breath. Miss Lemon sat with her pencil poised, incurious. She repeated in muted tones the final phrase of dictation before the interruption. Allow me to assure you, my dear sir, that the hypothesis you have advanced... Poirot waved aside the advancement of the hypothesis. That was Mrs. Oliver, he said. Ariadne Oliver, the detective novelist. You may have read. But he stopped, remembering that Miss Lemon only read improving books and regarded such frivolities as fictional crime with contempt. She wants me to go down to Devonshire today at once, in. He glanced at the clock. Thirty five minutes. Miss Lemon raised disapproving eyebrows. Well, that'll be running it rather fine, she said. For what reason? "'You may well ask. She did not tell me. "'How very peculiar. Why not?' "'Because,' said Hercule Poirot thoughtfully, "'she was afraid of being overheard." "'Oh, yes, you made that quite clear.' "'Well, really,' said Miss Lemon, bristling in her employer's defence, "'the things people expect. "'Fancy thinking you'd go rushing off on some wild goose-chase like that, "'an important man like you!' <sighs> I've always noticed that these artists and writers are very unbalanced, no sense of proportion. Shall I telephone through a telegram, regret unable, leave London? A hand went out to the telephone. Poirot's voice arrested the gesture. Du tout, he said. On the contrary. Be so kind as to summon a taxi immediately. He raised his voice. Georges, a few necessities of toilette in my small valise. And quickly, very quickly, I have a train to catch. The train, having done 180-odd miles of its 212-miles journey at top speed, puffed gently and apologetically through the last thirty and drew into Nascom Station. Only one person alighted. Hercule Guarro. He negotiated with care a yawning gap between the step of the train and the platform and looked around him. At the far end of the train a porter was busy inside a luggage compartment. Poirot picked up his valise and walked back along the platform to the exit. He gave up his ticket and walked out through the booking office. A large Humber saloon was drawn up outside, and a chauffeur in uniform came forward. Mr. Hercule Poirot? he inquired respectfully. He took Poirot's case from him and opened the door of the car. They drove away from the station over the railway bridge and turned down a country lane which wound between high hedges on either side. Presently, the ground fell away on the right and disclosed a very beautiful river view with hills of a misty blue in the distance. The chauffeur drew into the hedge and stopped the river helm, sir he said, with Dartmoor in the distance. It was clear that admiration was necessary. Poirot made the necessary noises, murmuring oh, magnifique several times. Actually, nature appealed to him very little. A well-cultivated, neatly arranged kitchen garden was far more likely to bring a murmur of admiration to Poirot's lips. Two girls passed the car, toiling slowly up the hill. They were carrying heavy rucksacks on their backs and wore shorts, with bright-coloured scarves tied over their heads. "Mm, "'There is a youth hostel next door to us, sir,' explained the chauffeur, who had clearly constituted himself Poirot's guide to Devon. "'Hoodown Park,' "'Mr. Fletcher's place, it used to be. "'The Youth Hostel Association bought it, "'and it's fairly crammed in summertime. "'Take in over a hundred a night, they do. "'They're not allowed to stay longer than a couple of nights. "'Then they've got to move on. "'Both sexes, and mostly... foreigners.' "'Poirot nodded absently. "'He was reflecting, not for the first time, "'that, seen from the back, "'shorts were becoming to very few of the female sex.' he shut his eyes in pain. "'Why, oh, why, must young women array themselves thus? Oh, those scarlet thighs were singularly unattractive.' "'They seem heavily laden,' he murmured. Uh, "'Yes, sir, and it's a long pull from the station or the bus-stop, the best part of two miles to Hoodown Park.' He hesitated. Uh, "'If you don't object, sir, we could give them a lift.' Uh, ''Oh, by all means, uh, by all means,'' said Poirot benignantly. Well, there was he in luxury, in an almost empty car, and here were these two panting and perspiring young women, weighed down with heavy rucksacks, and without the least idea how to dress themselves so as to appear attractive to the other sex. The chauffeur started the car, and came to a slow purring halt beside the two girls. Their flushed and perspiring faces were raised hopefully.'' Poirot opened the door, and the girls climbed in. "'It is most kind, please,' said one of them, a fair girl with a foreign accent. "'It is longer way than I think, yes?' The other girl, who had a sunburnt and deeply flushed face, with bronzed chestnut curls peeping out beneath her headscarf, merely nodded her head several times, flashed her teeth, and murmured, "grazie." The fair girl continued to talk vivaciously. "'I, to England, come for two-week holiday. "'I come from Holland. "'I like England very much. "'I have been Stratford-Avon, Shakespeare Theatre, and Warwick Castle. "'Then I have been Cloverley. "'Now I have seen Exeter Cathedral, and Tokyo. "'Very nice. "'I come to famous beauty spot here, and tomorrow I cross river, "'go to Plymouth, where discovery of New World was made from Plymouth Howe. "'And you, Signorina?' Poirot turned to the other girl, but she only smiled and shook her curls. "'She does not much English speak,' said the Dutch girl kindly. "'We both a little French speak, so we talk in train. She is coming from near Milan, and has relative in England married to gentleman who keep shop for much groceries. She has come with friend to Exeter yesterday, but friend has eat veal pie not good from shop in Exeter, and has to stay there sick.' It is not good in hot weather. The Wilhelm Pie.